0: Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest.
1: I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're gonna talk about how to take a stand as a Christian. How to take a stand, how to stand up. Yeah.
0: Against evil. And against evil, you mean? So, give me an example. You mean like?
1: Well, you here's the deal. You see, I'm a, a, you I'm, see a evil in the world, yeah. and you want to change it. Stand up, take yeah. a stand. Okay, take a stand. If you don't stand up for something, you'll you'll lay down for anything. I'm trying. I'm trying to put it in practical terms. Take a stand. Well, I'm I'm being a little facetious here. Okay, but, but but here's why. Um, this is just me showing my cards here. In the last uh, 14 months. I have gotten lots of emails and debate and discussion from various people, Yeah, fewer than most pastors probably have gotten, and they're saying, take a stand. It's time for us to take a stand. And I'm curious what they mean. So we're going to explore all the ways that people think we should take a stand, and then we're going to compare that, contrast that to what we think the Bible says about taking a stand. Then we're going to figure out how in the world we ought to take a stand against evil.
0: Well, I'm all for it. I got lots of questions on this. <clears throat> it reminds me, well, we'll get into it. It's
1: going to be good. It's going to be good. Before that, it's story time, John, and you're up. Oh, by the way, welcome to episode 108, mm-hmm. episode 108. We're glad you're here. Tell us a story, John.
0: All right. So we were watching before this, before we were recording, uh, some channel on cable TV was showing us the, the Born trilogy, the Born Identity. One Born of the expectancy.
1: best trilogies ever.
0: It's a good one. And the Born Ultimatum. And, uh, so it reminded me, there's lots of, I have lots of movie memories with my family and with you in particular. And one this one, uh, we, for whatever reason, we've seen the born trilogy a a dozen times, a lot of times. Yeah. And so I remember we were in Colorado and I had seen the first two, a whole bunch when I was a kid, I loved them. And we went to visit a church in a movie theater on, you know, on a Sunday. And I don't remember the particulars of this plum
1: Creek community church. Okay
0: and uh and we were there and was this the same one that had uh that bon jovi cover
1: yes yeah and they had giant cup holders you just love being <laughs> in a the movie theater because the cup holders and they were doing a series and so there was a bon jovi song what's that song john what song was
0: it living on a prayer
1: yes and that was the name of the series
0: was called living on a prayer
1: yeah so they did that song every sunday during the series well it was it was a great
0: cover it was at that time, that song was in Guitar Hero. That's the only reason I guess I knew it when I was a kid, <laughs> but it was a really good cover. And, uh, so anyway, we were at Plum Creek and that's its own mini stories the, Is them playing live on a prayer. But, uh, we, afterwards we walked out and I can't for the life of me, remember why we did this. Cause normally the church MO after church MO is we go to lunch or we go home for lunch. Right. And, uh, I remember it was you, me and Tom Milner. And afterwards, we saw that the Born Ultimatum was playing and like, like immediately after. So we
1: ditched our women folk, and we said, we're going to go watch a movie.
0: Yeah, and we went and watched. I think we grabbed hot dogs. Probably, yeah, and watched the Born Ultimatum in yep. the theater. And it was so fun. It was a blast. It was a great time, and it's a great ending. The, the reason the trilogy is so good, in my opinion, is because of the Born Ultimatum. The, the first the first movie's great. The second one is good, but you need a good ending to make a mm-hmm. good trilogy. And, and the, it did. It's a great ending. Uh, so it was just fun. It was a, we were watching. I I had forgotten that memory and just remembered it of getting out of church, which was already bizarre to go to church in a theater Yeah, and then hopping over to see a highly anticipated film. Yeah. All right. So let's get started. So when you say take a stand, walk me through your frustration with, with what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, So imagine you shaking him on the shoulders. Like, what are you talking about? Well,
1: in my imagination, I do, (laughs) but, um, you know, so, uh, back when, the governor shut down churches yeah um you know there were some people who said you got to take a stand you gotta you gotta serve jesus not your governor sure and um you know people will say uh with the with the uh cancel culture with the uh critical race theory with what you know i've been thinking about this um this concept of totalitarianism Mm -hmm. this will be a great example okay totalitarianism versus authoritarianism authoritarianism is the you know the the powers that be saying we're going to force you to believe what we want you to believe you're going to say what we want you to say or else we're going to beat you imprison you and maybe kill you sure and we're not going to have that in our country but what we're going to have is totalitarianism which is you say what we want you to say, and you believe what we want you to believe, or we're going to discredit you. We're going to make it hard for you to get jobs. We're going to make it hard for you to be uh, credible in the culture. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to, we're going to sabotage you that way. So someone say, we got to take a stand against totalitarianism. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I just get these people who say, and I've, I've been spending serious energy time wondering what do they mean? You
0: started to sound like the guy from uh, Oh, brother, where art thou? The, is you wiz or is you ain't <laughs> my, my constituency? constituency.
1: <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm thinking, what are you taking a stand? I guess you are because you're telling me you're taking a stand with me.
0: But I don't. Hey, think you go
1: take a stand. I've I've already I've railed against the. Uh, whatever
0: good that does kind of the, you know, why use the hashtag on Twitter? I did my part, right? That's the same thing to me. Emailing your pastor to take a stand. You didn't do anything. No, but
1: I'm, I'm curious when, what, what is it exactly that I could do that would make them go? My pastor's taking a stand.
0: Well, I think in that particular instance, they really mean in talk about, well, no actual policy. It would be like, well, we're opening. We don't give a crap about the numbers. We don't give a crap about that. That's
1: gone now. So, but, but I'm, because I've, I've recently had, uh, people say you need to take a stand. We've got to take a stand against. Uh, they are. This is the. This is the mindset that they are obliterating Christianity um, from our country. Yeah. Like there is an all out. And I do believe this. There is an all out effort to eliminate Christianity from our country. That um, I was talking to a gal in um, another state who uh, has uh, fostered. 20 kids they adopted seven of them and her and her husband over all these years have fostered 20 kids and she said she was at a foster uh event and the speaker was saying we have to keep a much closer eye on the christian foster parents so that we ensure that they do not brainwash the kids they foster wow so this is the kind of thing that these people are talking about we got to take a stand against this because Our country embraced our faith for you know for centuries, right? Um, And now um, it is it is a ding, it is uh, whatever. And so we have to take back our right for a Christian land or Christian principles. Or and people would say you got to fight, take a stand against abortion, for example. Mm -hmm. You got to take a stand against gender fluidity. You are what you were born with. You know your biology is your gender, and we need to take a stand. So I'm just curious Yeah, when you hear all that and you say, okay, um, people think that Christians ought to take a stand for something. What would that look like to you to take a stand?
0: Well, to me, I, I see like two different things. So I see, um, evils like legitimate evils, um, uh, afflicted on the innocent. So like, I think back to, uh, abolitionists from before the country was even independent, all through before the Civil War and then through the Civil Rights Movement, um, uh, a lot of white Christian men, affluent Christian men, right. who were abolitionists on the basis of Scripture.
1: And there's there's probably so hundreds they took of them. It, they took it to the mechanisms of governance and fought the fight on mm-hmm. legal grounds.
0: Uh, yeah, more often than not, it was more. Um, it was debating. It was. It was kind of like box. Uh, or what's that called? So boxing. Yeah. It was lots of rallies.
1: So on street corners, uh-huh. holding rallies, giving speeches, writing
0: public essays in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. It was more kind of grassroots in that way Activism. than it was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I, I think of that. Of that is a a uh, Christ follower feeling a moral obligation and pursuing that um to the best of their power those 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 men had actual power more so than a black person at that time could have so they right. took it upon themselves and then i see and then to today that would be again it would be racism you could you know you know institutional racism or however you uh however you saw that and then it could be abortion just just things that, uh, evil against innocence or or um or legitimate evils and then i see illegitimate behavioral control take a stand. So when I, when I hear gender fluidity, I think, uh, I think less of an evil than I think of, I want the country to be more like it used to be. I think I hear more nationalism in that, in that kind of argument. Mm. And when you get into education, I totally, I get it there where you're like, well, let's, let's not get this in, into really early education, like Washington's recent sex education bill. Right. Um, but I see, I really see two different things here. When I see someone take a stand against the, the coronavirus um, restrictions, that feels more to me, Political. That feels more to me, uh, uh, team playing kind of thing, Mm -hmm. left Mm -hmm. and right kind of thing. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah.
0: That distinction, does that make sense to you? It
1: does. That's very helpful. Thank you. That's, that's a a good insight. So if you, do you think Christians should take a stand? Well, I
0: generally, (laughs) I have a, I have a general, I talked a a while ago about my, um, uh, active understanding of the world, my operational understanding of the world, what, how I see the world to the extent of how I operate in it. And it's normally that, um, there's the, the literal progressive view, not, not kind of as it is now. The literal progressive view is humanity can trend upwards mm-hmm. to become a better species, onward and upward. And I think that's impossible. I think biblically that's not supported. And so I think a lot of the efforts can be futile. And it sounds, it's pessimistic. It doesn't just sound pessimistic. It is pessimistic on a humanistic level. Mm -hmm. I'm an optimistic, I would say, you know, spiritually and eternally. But if you're just taking humans in the the book, you would call me pessimist. So a lot of the changes that people try to make or or frustrations people have with systems, to me, it's a given. To me, it's like, yeah, well, we're fallen humans. So there's a lot of kind of uh, um, apathy, I guess, in that as far as what I think my responsibilities are. So, yeah. like, the fire in Australia, talk about this, uh, before COVID, the beginning of 2020, everyone was freaking out about the fire in Australia, it was dandering uh, animal habitats, it was terrible. Uh, you can't, like the Truman Show says, I'm as far away from Australia where if I head to the left, I'm already on my way back. Like, like that's how far <laughs> away I am from Australia. <laughs> so, there's this, this current responsibility socially to do something about everything, about all these things. That's a bad example because it's a force of nature, but... Hopefully my point got across. So uh, here I see these men, the, the abolitionist men, and I see uh, um, Martin Luther King Jr. He wrote in, from his uh, um, Birmingham letters when he was in jail in Birmingham. Right. He wrote to uh, all the Christian pastors in his surrounding communities that he knew personally, or at least by name. He wrote letters to them by, in his own hand. And he said, you know, you are, by not addressing this, You are culpable. You're part of the problem by not interacting. Okay. And I, current day, me, I balk at that language a lot. I hate that language. Mm. And and so I think, sadly, back in the 60s, I would be one of those guys that Martin Luther King Jr. is frustrated with. He's writing that letter to me. Right. So that's very convicting. Because normally when someone says, uh, you know, like kind of that white guilt thing, it's like, well, this institutional racism is your problem. Right. And uh, the truth is, socially, it is my problem, or at least it's a, something I could maybe interact with and do something with.
1: Well, only the people with the power have the power to improve the situation.
0: Exactly. So it feels I balk at it because it feels like, hey, you, this is your fault, and yeah. it's like, what did I do? You know, like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. I make you know x amount of dollars. I'm not. I'm, anyway, that's my, those. That, those are the inner workings of my head where I feel one convicted, and two, I feel like well, humanity's
1: already heading where it's heading. Well, you, know. you were having a distinction there in my mind. I don't know if you did it on purpose, or I think you did, between uh, maybe a moral choice that's that's personal versus the degradation of other human beings. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so in one case, you do not feel compelled to be activist at all, but in another case, you would feel like you should be mm-hmm. in some way. You should, you should at least talk about it. Yeah, um because it is a it is a clear a clear issue. So, if I use the example of we are Germans and Hitler is our uh prime minister whatever his title was, I forget, prime minister I think. Um uh, chancellor. Yeah, chancellor, chancellor. I think. Can't so, remember. uh Hitler's our leader and Jews are being rounded up and sent to concentration camps. Mm-hmm. What should you do? Uh well
0: then, I mean, you see, like, like again, my talk in the grassroots abolitionist stuff. You could just speak out against it, uh, but then you see some really, really tough people hiding Jews. Uh, one famous uh, uh, pastor plotted to assassinate Hitler, mm-hmm. that's a whole other episode. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I, I feel like what you should do maybe is a
1: personal choice that's a that's a tough one what do you think on that well i think the, those are you actually set the table for what i think is the tension when when i hear people say we got to take a stand right i think of those two options well what do you mean one is we could become activists we could give stump speeches write essays letters to the editor write our congressman um, run for office um, you know take action or number two is we can start serving those who are being mistreated. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in the Germany example, I can either plot to assassinate Hitler, right? Or I can um, speak up at great personal risk um, against what's going on. Or I could just start hiding Jews and start saving lives. Mm hmm. Which one of those is standing up, and is which one of those is the better answer? Yeah, and I guess when I thought when I talk about
0: um, my apathy and these kinds of things, it's not apathy to the extent that I don't do anything. It's where I think I'm, I'm a, one human being, one of billions. Well, in the history of humankind, one of hundreds of billions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more I could do is small. It's small around me. It's Oikos work. Yeah, I think the Oikos model is. Not just the best discipleship model. I think it's the best model for human autonomy and human, uh, and acting out your will. With the exception of very famous people, your will can be enacted much better and on a much smaller scale. So, like in these examples, hiding Jews, you're not changing the institution, you're saving individual lives. Right. You know, with the exception of Schindler, who saved hundreds, these people would have like a family. They'd have one family, maybe, you know.
1: I've got some I know some people in India. Mm-hmm. Who, um, you know, there have been lots of efforts to stop human trafficking through legal means, much like abolitionists, because these sure. are modern day slaves, and all with no success. So they've just resorted to raising money, and they go in and they buy the women, and just and just set them free on their they own. They buy them, they move them to another place where they're safe, and they set them free. They equip them to get jobs. They give them housing. They transition them into a free life. Yeah. And so they're actually just participating in the slave trade. Right. They're they're funding the
0: trade, but saving individual lives. Right.
1: And they have decided this is the best way I can help human beings hmm. in the scenario that I'm in. So uh, we've kind of drifted here because um, we've gotten so specific that we can get sucked down into a black hole about these specific issues. I think this is because it's so...
0: Um gray we we had an episode forever ago about moral absolutes, right, so I think when you're when you're asking a Christian, how do you take a stand? I think these are important because these are gray. every situation we have on earth that we could take a stand against is a gray issue mm-hmm. you know with the and I think the examples that are easiest are the Nazi examples and the slavery examples because they're so morally like, like, yeah, exactly,
1: that's really crystal clear what ought to be right so
0: I think i i I think it's a helpful conversation, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm any closer to an answer of what standing up looks like. I guess.
1: Okay, so let me ask you. Th- I'm going to put you on the spot here, and you can you can pass. Sure. Um, is there a modern day issue that you feel compelled to take a stand on? And no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I feel like I feel awful talking that way because I do feel like there are modern issues that are um, important. It, not that are that are uh, epidemics of moral problems, so like um uh, abortion, I would personally say is one uh and I would say uh kids in foster systems it's it's a problem that is um uh clear morally, mm-hmm. but I think that you know there could be you have the strongest uh responsibility for these kinds of things mm-hmm. and so that's when I take into. My personal account. Well, what what am I called to do on Earth? I'm one person. What do I? What was I gifted with? Uh, so when I think like, you know, there are people. Uh, Ashley Wombach runs uh, compelled to care. There right. are very very driven, traditionally A-type people who can do that. If I were to re- try and run that organization, I would run into the ground. That's not. I'm right. not. I'm She's not made got for the that. Skill
1: set to create an organization, rally people around it, exactly. raise money. Uh, mobilize people to a cause exactly so when i think about what i can do a lot of it
0: is it's not addressing the problem head-on unless it in volunteer hours in my free time but when i think of my life's calling yeah you know yeah it's different i'm i'm trying to be forthcoming and not
1: present myself like an absolute dirtbag i guess (laughs) (laughs) well you could always so your your primary answer was i need to focus on my oikos because I have a small world, and it's a relational world. And that's where I can make the most impact. I can make an impact with my right time. there.
0: Exactly. I can change actual lives. Yeah. And when I think when I think of what the most pressing need for any individual human on earth is, it is to meet Jesus. Yeah. So that changes what our priorities are, or what our missions look like.
1: Yeah. I would argue that prayer is a weapon you have mm. that is limitless. And so, uh, and, and I'm not picking you out, we uh, certainly could leverage that resource sure. far better for m- important causes. So when I think about a couple of issues that have made me mad recently, yeah, uh, in the state of Washington, our our state constitution says that there shall not be an income tax. Hmm. But our legislature this year passed a capital gains tax. Capital gains is a form of income. Sure. They are playing semantics to to say they have not violated the state constitution by creating an income tax. But I don't care how you slice it. Capital gains are gains of income made by investments. Right. It's an income tax. And I'm wondering why there isn't this massive upheaval to sue the state for violating its own state constitution. Okay. It makes me mad. Yeah. What am I doing about it? Nothing. Yeah. Then I, I uh, read an article the other day. In our local newspaper, encouraging teenagers whose parents don't want them vaccinated to go out and get vaccinated on their own and don't even tell their parents, because in the state of Washington, you don't need parental consent to be vaccinated. Hmm. And the and the public paper was encouraging students, kids, to deceive their parents and get their vaccination. Is this an opinion column, or no? It was an article about how important it is for vaccinations. And it was, they were quoting public figures, health department uh, people, mm-hmm. encouraging kids to ignore their parents and go get vaccinated. Wow. Um, You can go get an abortion without parental consent, but you can't take ibuprofen to school without parental consent. Wow. We just got all kinds of crazy things that drive me none nuts. Of yeah. None of it is is concurrent with itself. It's, yes. Yeah. And so I wonder, you know, what am I supposed to do about this? And the pressure as a pastor is there are people who get really upset about these kinds of topics or abortion or, you know, human trafficking. Yeah. Or foster kids. And they want you to park the car and make this the thing that the church is about. Yeah. Or they want you to take uh, time on the weekends that is devoted for the worship of God, the study of his word and the discipling of people. And use that time to disciple them on how to take a stand against the modern evils of the world. And so this is where my tension lies as a pastor. But I, but I realized I've got a dilemma with even taking a stand at all. Sure. I think most of us tend to watch the world pass by. We read the news stories. We have opinions. We have conversations. But we do not engage. And...
0: This this question I think is different to you to to even just this the two participants of this conversation because you are by definition a public figure even on maybe a local scale right and I'm not or you know not at all to the extent you are so the the uh, pressure on you is different than the pressure on me and the response expected of you is different than
1: the response expected of me Uh, so I don't envy that at all yeah (laughs) well here's what I want to do let's let's pause right here Uh I'll do my little uh, book review. Yeah, please, and um, we'll do our commercial, and then we'll come back with what are we going to do next? How okay. are we going to resolve this issue? All right, how's I love that sound? It. Yeah, what uh, what have you brought for us today? Well, it's because of the subject matter; it's actually a very applicable book. Okay, um, it's a book I've read. Uh, one, he's one of my favorite pastors in the country. I really like him. His name is Larry Osborne. He pastors a church in California called North Coast. Nice, and he's actually a better writer than he is a preacher. Um, hmm. and I really, I really enjoy reading his books. And, uh, there's a book called thriving in Babylon. Nice. And it That's is, good title. yeah. Why hope, humility, and wisdom matter in a godless culture. So the reason I think it's pertinent to this conversation is, uh, he, he takes the life of Daniel when he and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, his buddies, you know, when they're all taken captivity into Babylon and they are, uh, trained to be wise men from Babylon. Yeah. And uh, he takes Daniel's wisdom of how to navigate in a godless culture and make a difference for God, how to stand up for God in that culture. And he says the key ingredients are hope, humility, and wisdom. And so I think that speaks to the conversation we're having today. And it is a great book. And uh, there are many times I would laugh out loud reading the book. He tells some great (laughs) stories. And I thought it was very helpful. So there's your book, your book of the day, Thriving in Babylon by Larry Osborne. That's awesome. I
0: love that. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's uh, run our
0: commercial break. We will talk to you guys in just one minute.
2: Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at Jim and John.com, where you can learn more about the Father Son Duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on Patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
1: Welcome back, and thanks for listening. We're super uh, proud and Grateful, I guess. Proud's not the word.
2: I'm I'm proud
0: that we're we're episode 108, man. 108, yeah.
1: And uh, we're grateful for our listeners. Thank you. For sure. And I want to just say thanks to our patrons. We have have a a, a significant group of patrons who give financially, and um, they are such an encouragement to me. There's a couple of them. If you give at a certain uh, amount, you get a monthly coaching session with me. And so I love doing those with our patrons who do that. Because I get to know them, we actually have been walking through, you know, things in their life. It's kind of a, uh, it's just really fun. So I just want to say thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. We're very grateful. Okay. So <clears throat> now let's, let's spend our last few minutes here talking about, okay, what, what in the world do we do? Yeah. There appear to be a couple of options. One is, you know, standing on soap boxes, making speeches, being, um, being issue driven. Right. To make to try to stimulate and stir up change on an issue, or there is grassroots um, living out the gospel and changing the world one person at a time. Would you say those are the two broad categories? It seems seems to be that way. And I
0: actually uh, even just in your book review, I had a little aha of kind of the what I see different in these two types of people in like a Martin Luther King Jr. activism mm-hmm. and more modern day activism not even race, race related but in all in all uh categories right. of life. Uh and it is uh what you said the author of that book uh w- what Daniel demonstrated in Babylon was hope, wisdom and humility. Mm-hmm. Not in that order. I think I messed up the order. Uh but humility was the one that struck me because to me when i so much of so many of these um uh social efforts lack humility. They strike me as very arrogant. Mm-hmm. So like you said in that uh local article about the vaccine thing the arrogance is hey your parents don't know what they're talking about so but i do but i do so get out of there and go do this vaccine thing and very candidly vaccines are are not they don't have microchips in them they're not going to give you cancer i'm very pro vaccines that's not what this is about but the but the arrogance is there yeah on that on that take which is the
1: same as um really the government impulse that drives me crazy is We know what's best for you. So we're going to take control. Our citizens don't know how to take care of their own lives.
0: So we're going to make them do it correctly because we know what's right and they don't. Right. So it's the arrogance. Yeah. And so in so many activist notions these days, I think if you were to do a very prototypical activist thing, you got a Twitter account, you're tweeting, you're involved in the issues, but you had those three and the other two, the hope and wisdom, that's hope in human progress and a secular activist, hope in human progress and by human wisdom. Mm -hmm. If you would have those three with hope in the almighty God, uh, humility as a servant of Christ and the wisdom of God, that is the foolishness of the world. If you would have those three and do a, even a prototypical uh, uh, activist kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you could, I don't, I would, I don't know what that looks like. I can't even imagine, but, but
1: it could be very powerful. Well, and it may be that strikes at the heart of what's been driving me crazy by the people calling me to activism is I'm I'm pushing back on the arrogance and the lack of wisdom because yeah. I believe the thing that's true in, in our modern world is that nobody's listening. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taking their stand. Everybody's flapping their lips. But nobody's changing their mind. Right. No one is considering a different concept. And if you sit there and listen, they go, hey, stand up. Yes. It's like, well, I'm trying to listen. What right. Are you, having to, uh, you know. Right. So I think that arrogance thing might be the the real the real uh, aroma of that that's so nauseating to me. Yeah, because when you look at even going back to the Birmingham letters
0: from MLK, there's so much humility and grace there. Mm. He is uh, chastising technically the people that he's writing to, but it's not. It is it is it's loving. They're it's not name calling. No. And it, yeah. It's understanding. It's pleading. mm Hmm. Hmm. Um, they're really amazing if you haven't read those. We read them for school, uh, which I'm, I'm glad for. Uh, but that, that element is for sure missing. And even now, uh, when the uh, protests over the, over the summer of 2020 with uh, George Floyd grew very tense and, and destructive oftentimes, uh, the, the, the conservative end called them to be more like MLK. Right. And the left end said, well, that clearly didn't work. So it's been 60 years and right. we're still doing this. Uh, so there's even pushback against the humble uh Christ centered yeah uh, uh protesting. That
1: pragmatically it doesn't work. Right. Yeah.
0: Even uh, though and sorry to, to no, even know that there was definite huge legislative change because of those protests. It's not that it didn't work. We we uns- desegregated schools through that, uh desegregated uh public uh uh venues like you know, water fountain's bathrooms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The world is completely different because of those protests. I agree. So I think it's again arrogance to say that they did nothing.
1: Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm curious, John, as a pacifist when it comes to taking a stand. <laughs> sure. <laughs> are you compelled to do anything differently in, in your understanding of um, any o- obligation you might have as a follower of Jesus in a fallen world with um, evil thinking ranging from evil systems and structures to just uh, moral dilemmas? that are ruining lives. Yeah. Do you feel any compulsion to do anything differently than you've been doing it? Uh, I don't, I, I, have had an epiphany, but I don't think
0: I'm quite ready to be like, all right, I'm getting on Twitter. Here we go. You know? Yeah. But I think, uh, I viewed it very much as a binary between being the kind of arrogant, uh, activist, activist, prototypical activist, and doing nothing, and so I, it's one that I forget. These very Christ-centered historical activists, yeah. Uh, and I hadn't that even. I should probably read that book because even those three that that viewing it that way, that mm-hmm. those three factors of being politically engaged or or even um, engaged at all in it, right. things you see that you need to change, because maybe the view is is fatalistic, is the word I was looking for. Where I don't think things can change because mm-hmm. I think we are. Um, destined eventually to, I don't know, not, not be living in a good place. You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. earth is destined to kind of devolve further and further into chaos. I and
1: don't know. I, I think, um, I think for me, the darker the world gets, the more contrast a life lit for Christ can make. Yeah. So with humility, wisdom, hope, and a servant lifestyle, so I think what compels me is to care for those who cannot care for themselves, to advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves, Yeah, to be compassionate. One of the things, for example, just um, so basically being the people of God in a pagan culture is activism. Sure. It, it, it is a demonstration of the aroma of Christ and an alternative way to live your life. Sure. And to do so with grace, with humility, with kindness and generosity, this is what I'm feeling more and more called to. I've had an aha about churches for a long time that we do really well <clears throat> when we have, you know, the drunk or the addict comes to faith in Christ, they're delivered from their right. addiction, <laughs> their marriage is saved, they become parent of the year. We just are really great with people like that. Yeah. But with people who have debilitating mental illness who have anxiety issues that strap them and they cannot function, Mm -hmm. and they need long-term developmental care for a long time, we suck at that for sure. And um, this is the kind of uh, standing up that I feel compelled for us to move toward is to actually give our lives in hospitality and kindness and assistance to people who are a long-term commitment.
0: Yeah, and it reminds me of the um, when we look at kind of the upside down uh, nature of God, His value of the one mm-hmm. of the the one sheep that leaves the ninety nine, yeah. or the shepherd that leaves the ninety nine for the one sheep, mm-hmm. the value of the one person. So to view standing up like we we talked about either institutional change or individual change to view the value of individual change as worth it, right. worth the work. <clears throat> If you fostered one kid, you could say that that was worth it. That was standing. Yeah. Out. You
1: know, I I heard somebody say recently or read them right recently. You know, we, we romanticize that. Oh, the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one. What a great shepherd. Mm-hmm. No, what a lousy shepherd. <laughs> sure, Because he's risking the 99 for one. And that's the whole point of Jesus parable. This is a very stupid business decision. Mm hmm. And so I think this is what Christians can do, is they can make decisions that are apparently in the world stupid. Sure. Uh, because we sacrifice and we suffer and we long because suffer.
0: And we didn't focus on ourselves. And, and we didn't ourselves. focus on ourselves. We
1: didn't make the smooth business decision. Right. We didn't do the efficient thing. We did the loving thing. This is the way I believe I want to increasingly take a stand. Yeah.
0: I think that's awesome. I uh, I feel like all I did was go on tangent after tangent on this episode, and I hope it didn't. Come it was across really like that.
1: helpful to me because uh, right away your distinction between things that might be worth activism versus things that might be worth compassionate response that was a that was a very significantly helpful distinction for me. Well, good. So yeah, I thought you did great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, again, Let's not pull a muscle. Patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I made a real difference. What do you mean? I changed the world. Yeah, there you go. In in 38 minutes. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for listening. We are really grateful. Um, 108. We'll see you next week for 109. In the meantime, uh, drop us a note. Info at JimandJohn.com. No Mm -hmm. H in the John. Love to hear from you. We're grateful for your listening. Tell a friend. Share the episode. Give us feedback. And have a wonderful day. Thank you